Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the day two of the Punchstown Festival preview, the Wednesday racing. I'm your host, George Ellick, and today I'm joined by the same two expert guests, the same same two tipsters as we had on Tuesday's preview, Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding and uh, racing journalist and broadcaster Johnny Ward as well. I asked you both how you were doing in the first episode, so we won't go too far into that, but we're recording this at about three o'clock on Monday afternoon. You recorded the Tuesday preview at about 11 o'clock. And since then, Johnny, you bought some incredibly expensive tomatoes. I went out for lunch. There's a fancy new shop next door. It's in it's in the middle of a housing estate, effectively. And so the, the tomatoes look, you know, they, they're not normal tomatoes. They're a little bit exotic, but literally two tomatoes. And I got them weighed, so I didn't know what they cost. Five euro 25. <laughs> Sorry, what? And I, I, I didn't even, I didn't know what to do. Do I just... I can't bail now, so I just paid. I just paid the five year twenty five, and I've been giving out about it ever since. I need a winner. I need a winner. What have you What have you done with the tomato? Have you eaten them? I shared one with the missus, and we put it on some bread with olive oil and and nice. you know a little bit of parsley and uh, salt and pepper. It was quite nice. It was not worth five year twenty five. But like the cost of living crisis, I've just realised, Lazo. I just spend so much money without even realising it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Although I do like. Uh, tomato on toast and also when, once you've added you know the amount it costs now to buy a bunch of parsley the amount it costs to get some extra virgin olive oil that's a 10 pound lunch you've had there it is it is it literally is and, um, yeah i i don't know i'm just it's it's really really put me on a downer for the day okay well maybe me and you should talk about doing a uh, sustainable food podcast in the future where we can talk about you know for lunches under yeah <laughs> 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 exactly uh, food is the next one to add to it uh uh, for those who've skipped through that conversation, good on you. Uh, we're going to get into the racing <laughs> now. Um, as I said, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. So unlike, um, you know, with the, the Cheltenham Festival or with Aintree, they're much more sensible over in Ireland. They're not pricing up races uh, aggressively early. Um, so we have got prices at the moment for the uh, the Novice Idol, uh, the, the Punchtown Gold Cup, and also the Champion Bumper. So we're going to go through those three first. We haven't got prices. We have, you know, we've got final decks in for the other races on the day. So we'll, we'll kind of cast a glance at those without really being able to cover them in full detail. So this this pod, this show will be a little bit shorter than usual, but hopefully still full jam packed uh, with insight and then hopefully a couple of winners as well. Uh, do download the Odds Checker uh, app before um, you watch or listen to this so you can see the best prices. Bookie offers free bets. Please turn. And plenty of other bits on the app as well including andy's tips straight to the app every morning before racing at around 9 a.m so please do that now uh, and do as i say if you haven't watched or listened to tuesday's preview yet and the racing hasn't happened then make sure you go back and, and check that out before watching this as well uh, so as i say we're going to kick off uh with the irish mirror novice hurdle um and the nice guy is the nine to four favorite ahead of Manella Kakuna at seven to two. Manella Kruna is eight to one. Journey with me, eight to one. Bron, uh, nine to one. Hollow Games, 10 to one. Bardenstown Lad, 12 to one. Uh, 22 to one. Bar those. And, you know, Andy, I'll come to you first because uh, Bardenstown Lad, I think, was your one of your selections each way uh, in the Albert Bartlett. Ran into a place. Looked to me like uh, a horse that needs about four and a half miles, but uh, a, a double figure <laughs> price again here. Yeah, um, he, he's that kind of horse. I think we'll see the best of him when he's chasing Barnstown Lad, particularly when they up him to sort of three, three, three and a half miles further down the line. I mean, he's, he's at least trained by a guy who's in red hot form at the moment, John McConnell, mm. particularly when he brings horses over over this side of the Irish Sea. And I thought he ran respectably in the, in the Albert Bartlett, keeping on well to to be never near a third. Um, but he, he couldn't lay glove on 
the two Mullins horses have fought out the finish. Bit of a shock winner, wasn't it? The nice guy. Um, only mm. won a maiden the time before. His time, his numbers weren't that great. But um, he, in keeping with a lot of, of uh, recent Albert Bartling winners, he, he, um, he came from left fiddle a bit. I mean, Manila Indo won it at 50-1, to one, having won a small race the time before. So perhaps that's the route to um, go down, isn't it, in, in, um, in future? In future. Um, I, I certainly think the best horse in the race may, may have finished second that day, and, and that's not taken anything away from the nice guy. We, we discussed um, uh, Manila Kakuna at length, didn't we, in the, um, the aftermath of Cheltenham as being a horse to follow, uh, when, perhaps when he goes over fences um, in the near future. Uh, and they're going to have a roll of the dice again to see if they can get the better of the nice guy this time. Uh, it's an interesting little matchup between the two. I don't think there's a great deal between them. The prices are you know, one's two to one, one's three to one. Um, you could argue that Manila um, Kruner um, is is a smidgen of value based on his run behind um, Manila Kakuna in in the uh, Leopardstown uh, Dublin Racing Festival. And he's two for two punches down as well. I noticed, and mm. he's obviously fresh. Do you go down the old fresh angle, or do you go with the the, the up to date form, as it were? Um, as we saw at Aintree, it could go one way or the other. I do like Milan Cocoon. I think he's quite a nice horse and the Elliott team are running well. But my pick in this race is Bron. Um, he's obviously got a bit to find. You know, he's a good sort of 12, 15 pound behind the, the, the top end of the market. But I did like his attitude the other day when he won at Fairy House. In, even, even more so when he had to pick himself off off the floor when the horse fell in front of him. I think it was Arctic Warrior, maybe. So was it Johnny? Was it Arctic Warrior who fell at the third last at Fairy House last time? I'm just trying to think, actually, it was on Braun on the day. It was, yeah. And he yeah. did incredibly well considering the ground he lost at it. He did, that's right. He got like completely broadsided. Um, looks as though he'd lost all chance, but he stayed on very eye-catchingly. And he, he, the numbers for that race were very good for the grade. And that was a grade too, but it, 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 was, it rode like a better race than that. Um, and I think stepping up to three miles are really playing to his strengths because he looks an out-and-out stay as far as I could see. There's also one at a bigger price as well, meet and greet. Um, he was pitched into um, Grade Two Company last time. Unfortunately, dropping or they 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 bumped into Flame Bearer, who went on to win next time out in Grade Two Company. He's a very good horse, Flame Bearer. Missed the Fairy House Festival the other day. Um, perhaps the ground went against him, but um, he looks the horse who's crying out for a trip for me, mate and Great. Every time I see him, I think he wants further. He's fifty to one. So I'm probably going to miss the front end of the market here, even though I've rambled on and made cases out for them of sorts. <laughs> uh, um, we finally wound up to where I want to be. But, yeah, I think Bron each way at 9-1 to is a decent uh, decent approach to this race. And I'm definitely going to be back in meet and greet at 50s. He, he, he's just too good of a horse to be a 50-1 to one shot. Yeah, Bron 9-1 to one with a couple of firms, uh, Betvictor and Coral, two of them. And uh, meet and greet 50-1 to one pretty much across the board. But, crucially, uh, William Hill and Betfred both play both paying a fifth to four, um, where, you know, most firms are a fifth to three. So if you're going to be back in meet and greet, make sure you do sniff out that extra place if you can. Uh, Johnny, there's a, a 50 to one tip and a nine to one tip there. How are you going to follow that up? Yeah, um, the fifth to four is, is great value. I, I put up Ron on Racing TV the last time he ran and the race was going absolutely perfectly in terms of his position in a race where they were kind of well strung out. And then, as Andy said, he was he was really badly hampered by the faller. He showed a brilliant, brilliant attitude. You do have to go back to his performance at Leopardstown and just wonder, will he reverse the form with um, Manila Crooner? I think Manila Crooner is outstanding.
outstanding value here at eight to one. He was 130 the last day in a Grade One that really isn't is, isn't much um, better than this one. We obviously have the nice guy coming in. Other than that, they're they're more or less all here. Manella Kakuner beat him on the day. Manella Kakuner jumps unbelievably well that day in Leopardstown. It was a mudlin race, and at the second last, Manella Kruner was he was just untidy at it. He was sluggish at it. And for him to end up finishing second, beating the Hollow Games, who ran well at Cheltenham, was actually a fair bit of an achievement because he's probably a bit of a staying type and he had to make up a lot of ground. He stayed on really well. I spoke to Gordon Elliott before entry where um, he was going to go there. He had a small issue, but it was nothing major. And he said, yeah, we'll go to Punchdown. I was tipping this horse up anti-post um, like yesterday. He was certainly not. I think he was. He might have been six to one. I think eight to one is an outstanding price here. I think he'll be staying on all the way to the line. Practically certain there'll be a good pace in the race. Bron, uh, for me, this is a good bit tougher than uh, the race he won the last day. Um, and I, I think he's outstanding value. He might better the day at the prices. Better the day at the prices there at eight to one. Uh, that is with bet three six five. Uh, the price there for Johnny. Um, on then as Andy to... says as well, George, he's two from two at uh, Punchdown, albeit in weaker races. But yeah, it all helps. And I think Gordon, I think horses coming here fresh. I definitely be prefer that to having run. We'll say both of the festivals. I yeah, must admit, absolutely. I didn't re- I didn't realise he was as big as that. I mean, when I was just casting through them there, just presuming there was... I'm and that's why you've got to use... He was 5-1 to one yesterday, Andy, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that, that make, I, I don't know how he's 8-1. to one. I don't know who's pushed him out to that, but that, that doesn't make any sign of sense. Yeah, bet 3-6-5 or 8-1, to one, uh, as it stands at the moment. He is as short as a 6-1 to one elsewhere. Um, so, you know, that price might uh, be short-lived uh, after this goes out or after uh, Johnny's able to log into his Bet365 account as soon as we finish uh, recording here. Uh, Which I'm not. <laughs> Eight to one uh, with Manella Kruna. Crucially there with Manella Kakuna. Um, Manella Kruna, it is the Kruna who is getting um, the positive mentions there from the guys um, there. On then to the uh, Labrooks Punchstown Gold Cup um, over three miles and Alaho is the 15 to 8 favourite ahead of Manella Indo at 9 to 2. Clandazobo also 9 to 2 with Galvin 7 to 1. Fakir Duderis 11 to 1. Tornado Flyer 16 to 1. Janadil 16s with Album Photo and Kenboy the ninth uh, runner in the race uh, at 25 to 1 as it stands at the moment. Although a bit of blue around on Kenboy, short 16s elsewhere. Uh, Andy, how do you see the, the Punchdown Gold Cup this year? That's fascinating, isn't it? Um, mm. Obviously, with Alaho there. Um... We know how good he is over two and a half miles. He looks a good thing at Cheltenham and Judy got the job done. That is his, his, his trip, or seemingly his trip. They, they dropped him back to two miles last year, but unfortunately he wasn't quick enough to take on um, and get the better of Shaq on Paul Soir. It was an experiment worth trying. They didn't have anything to lose that day, um, you know, having, having only run three times in the, in the season up to that point. And it's pretty much the same scenario here now. That, you know, that he's, had, he's had his three runs nicely spaced out. Had plenty of time to recover from Cheltenham. Why not try three miles? Now is as good a time as any to find it to see what they're going to do next season. And obviously they've got that certain gallop under Champ in the yard as well. They'll, they'll want mm. to know, you know, how they stand, which ones are two and a half mile, and which one they're going to go up to three miles and go down the Gold Cup route. So um, I, th- I think that there's a um, a little bit of a hidden hidden agenda in in this in in some some respects. We know he's going to go off in front and lay his cards on the table and jump well and. You know, probably get quite a few of these in trouble from from a long way out. But then it's just a question of will he get home at fifteen to eight? I could sort of take him or leave him at that price. Whereas I do think Clander Zobo at nine to two with uh, several firms is a is a better option for me each way. I do like me each way bets. So do you, do George? Anything over sort of <laughs> seven to two, four to one, 
you know, in in these kind of events, you you sort of um, yeah, sn- sniffing around him like a like a puppy dog. Um, but I mean, look, he's just a very very good horse when he's on his day. Uh, he rather got cruelly cast aside, didn't he, in the betting at Aintree, even though he looked blatantly obvious having run well ran there before. And it's not as if he's not come here before Punchestown after he's won at Aintree did it uh, last year. And as we saw on Saturday, Nichols' horses are just still jumping out of their skin. So while he's in great form, why not roll the dice again? He clearly likes good ground, good strong gallop at Punchestown to play into his strengths. is absolutely ideal. It's hard to see Klanderzobo not finishing in the first three, basically is what I'm getting at, because he, he ticks every box uh, with regards stamina, well-being and trip. Whereas, you know, the likes of Alaho, Thacker Duda is... And you know, up to a point, and obviously Galvin have got to prove themselves again. So yeah, I th- I, th- I think he's the, he's the way I'd go at the prices. Yeah, Clanders over nine to one uh, with Bet Victor, Labrooks, uh, and Parry Match. Uh, the one each way bet at nine to two, bit of an each way bet to nothing possibly. Uh, Sky Bet are four places as well. They're four to one. Uh, so if you want to add the extra place with just nine runners as well, take a slightly shorter price. That would be the firm to go to, uh, Johnny. It's a brilliant renewal of the race. I think Labrooks yeah, must be is. delighted. As, mm. as as Andy says, it's like, you know, they're nearly all here. You've nine runners, you've an overseas horse coming over. You've, I think, five different trainers and you have a load of different owners. So I think, you know, Jumps Racing kind of needs these, uh, you know, household names. And, um, you know, okay, we don't have the Gold Cup winner here, but we have the same owner having Alaho. For me with Alaho, if this race were at Cheltenham over the same distance, I'd probably nearly fancy him. I'm just... I'm not sure he really likes Punchestown. He's, he's at least twice in the past, including earlier this season, he's been leaning to his left at fences around here and hasn't gotten into the rhythm that he gets into. Like at Cheltenham, he essentially looks the winner all the all the way. And admittedly, he was a short price this year. He really likes Cheltenham. You add in the three miles, maybe the potential he's taken on up front. I think he's too short because I, I could definitely see him trading bigger and running fairly early if he edges left at his fences. So it's almost that and the stamina rather than just the stamina itself. Um, Manila Indo is a, t- a tongue tie on for the first tie, which is quite interesting. We mentioned Henry de Bromhead is doing the same with um, Bob Ollinger as well. And uh, Kenboy has cheapies on for the first time. So there's a lot of aspects to the race. I'm going to put forward Galvin without an awful lot of confidence. Um, Gordon Elliott reckoned that it was just too muddling a race from a Chelton that like, he actually did travel well for much of it. Then he was kind of badly outpaced. I think there will be there will be a bit of pace on here. I can see Yellowho going off slow um, over this trip. And I think Galvin will tip away. He's doubled the price he was at Cheltenham. Um, he should have a strong pace to sit off. But le- really, you can make a case for so many of these. I mean, Manella Indo, to me, he nearly looked the winner at the second last of the Gold Cup. He seems be right back to his best. Klandazobo won the race last year. Album Photo was six to four in the race last year. He's twenties now, so you can make a case for him. He was well, well back to the Gold Cup. He's probably seems to be, um, you know, maybe a bit done at the game at this stage. Kemboy, I backed in this race last year and ran a shocker. He's obviously a big price as well. Yeah, Tornado Flyers, King George winner. So you can make a case for a lot of them. Um, very tentative Galvin each way. I think he'll run well. Wouldn't surprise me at the same time if he finished fourth. <laughs> Galvin seven to one. Um, with firms pay- paying three places, those are Coral and Bet Victor six to one. With the only firm paying uh, four places. Uh, Johnny, like looking back when we spoke about uh, Cheltenham back after the festival, um, you know, especially with Gordon's runners with just the two winners at the festival. Um, when you're looking to back 
you know, especially as you say, a horse that was near enough favourite or traded favourite um, at one point for for the Cheltenham Gold Cup and didn't run a race in a week where all of his, his runners were running under par. Are you happy enough to almost draw a line through those through those couple of weeks for the Elliot Yard? You see, he had a run going into the start of Aintree, and I'm picking figures out of the top of my head here. But it's something like one winner out of 70 or something like that. Mm. Or, or it was really bad. And then you had <laughs> um, you had horses falling. You had Jinto. You had horses coming yeah. second. Um, obviously, Pied Piper would be a good example of his form at that time. Um, everything seemed to be going wrong. But at the same time, I think Jinto probably would have won. Um, Commander of Fleet is um, you know, a big price winner. You had a couple of other horses finish second. I think he'd eight horses in the Irish Grand National who didn't complete. Um, and then like with the circuit to go, he'd uh, I think he'd only two horses left. One of them finished second. I think if you go through his horses, they're actually in reasonable form. For me, Galvin, he just didn't have the pace at Cheltenham. Um, he didn't have the pace to go with a speedy horse uh, in in the winner. And I, I I wouldn't be that worried about stable form. I think he'd four winners at Perth the other day. Um, it wouldn't worry me that much. And speaking to him, it doesn't seem to be a concern at all. I think he's just had a bit of bad luck, really, particularly with Ginto. Um, an awful mm. lot of seconds. I think he might have had seven seconds at Cheltenham. So it, it wouldn't it wouldn't overly worry me, to be honest. OK, well, good stuff. Yeah, Galvin, seven to one. Uh, and no too much cause for concern. Uh, on then to the third race, we're going to be previewing the uh, 6.30, the champion bumper. And it's a familiar top two, as is often the case uh, for this one with Fasal Vega, four to six here ahead of American Mike uh, at 130, the 1-2 from the uh, Cheltenham champion bumper. Uh, Redemption Day, 10-1. Seabank Bistro, 11-1, 1, 20-1 bar. Johnny, you almost recoiled there when I read when I read out the prices. And, and I remember uh, the three of us sat exactly where we're sitting now uh, over, over Skype discussing the Cheltenham champion bumper. And you made a case for American Mike being the value play uh, at the time. And the market went in your favour with, with the two of them going off much closer uh, in price than, than what they were when we discussed it. Although Fasal Vega um, was incredibly impressive on the day. Uh, are you going to be making a case here for American Michael 130 or, or is Fasal Vega one of those to stick in your multis? The the only the only way he's beaten is if the ground is too fast for Fasal Vega. I mean, his superiority over American Mike, I did put him forward at the prices. His superiority over American Mike was... I mean, if you watch horse racing, this is as blatant as it gets. He just travelled all over him. He quickened past him. He was holding him all the way to the line, beat him by... Three and three and a half lengths or whatever it was, he just beats him again unless the ground is a concern. Um, now it might, it just might be the only worry, and I, I'm kind of speculating here, but I, I, I seem to recall Willie Mullins wasn't was a little bit worried about how bottomless the ground was at Shelton before the race. So other than that, um, to me he does have a bit of a knee action. I think he likes an ease in the ground, but other than that, he's this horse is an absolute superstar, and surely they're not going to risk him on the ground unless they're happy he'll mm. handle it, in which case he wins. Wins uh, if he if he runs and he handles the ground, Andy. Uh, I know he's uh, you're incredibly fond of of uh, Fasal Vega based on, on the figures that you got even before Cheltenham. Uh, can you see any any holes in this four to six? I'd like to come on and say something original about uh, these <laughs> uh, these bumper horses and 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 Fasal Vega himself. I think I've uh, extolled his virtues all all the way through from the start of his career ever since he won at Leopardstown and clocked that fantastic time and. I thought he did really well to win at Cheltenham because I don't think it really went the way that Paddy Mullins was anticipating. He he kind of got messed around early on, shuffled back. He had to stay patient and bide his time. And then he ended up challenging on the wrong part of the track, whereas he watched a run back again. American Mike went all the way around on the best ground on the outside. He swung wide into the straight. 
he got the advantages of Stan Rail, and yet Pascal Weiger just went by him pretty readily, to be honest. Mm. Um, you could also make a case out to say that Pascal Weiger didn't really want that ground either. There was a there was plenty of concern beforehand that you know the heavy ground might not necessarily suit him. So if you're saying, well, it's different ground, and um, you know, it, 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 you know, it might be a good deal, obviously quicker than Cheltenham. I actually think it, it probably helped him because if you look at his stride. This fellow wants to be going across good ground or good to good to yielding ground. You know, you look at him when he won first time out. The um, the thing to take out of that performance was the way he got a, got across the ground and the way he, he really did stride out and point his toe. So if anything, he, he's, his chances of his pace being blunted were going to be in the champion bumper, and he still come out best. So if you look at it, you think, well, he's beaten all this field before when the conditions weren't really right for him and everything went wrong for him. Four to six, you know, you'd be looking to stick him in some multiples with the horses we've been mentioning for the last two days. Your, your Sir Garhards um, and um, what was it? Um, Anergamine. Anergamines of this world. Mm. Uh, and we just know that Willie, Willie Mullins' horses take their races incredibly well. So you haven't really got that to worry about. He has like, you know, 10, 15 winners at this meeting minimum, doesn't he, every year? And we think, mm. well, why are we just backing all the Mullins' horses? Well, here we go. <laughs> you've, got, you've got the blatantly obvious staring at you. What, what's... Um, what's what's not to like what's not to like there we have it i mean i i i do feel like sitting on it on this punchdown podcast and tipping up the cigar had an argument uh facile vega treble is is a bit dirty but um when it goes <laughs> in andy um you know at least uh you know over the course of the first couple of days and as you say, very hard to, to pick holes in the chances of Fasal Vega. And it should be an incredibly exciting journey to follow over the coming uh, couple of seasons uh, if um, yeah, if he justifies this price on Wednesday. Um, as I say, those are the only three prices, only three races where we have prices as it stands. Um, but instead of ignoring the rest of, of the stuff, uh, we'll, we'll just cast a glance at a couple of the other races, starting with the, the 445, um, the Louis Fitzgerald Hotel hurdle um and champagne gold casa getaway cross hill fidu dairy ganapati gibraltar indiana jones largely debut and merlin giant make up the nine runner field here andy uh, as i say it's it's hard to kind of properly do this justice uh, this is a betting show and it's hard to, to kind of tip up horses without prices um but at this stage any kind of horses and and can you give any kind of guide prices as those that you fancy what kind of price you'd be hoping they'd open up at and, and where they'd be bets yeah, the 445 is an interesting race. I think it's quite a difficult one to sort of nail your colours to the mast with a huge degree of confidence. We've got, we've got horses coming in from various different angles here. Uh, horses haven't run for a little while. Some have been running in handicaps, such as uh, Phil Dodurius, of course, around second to Langadan. Horses have been running in graded races. Horses have been even running over fences, such as Cross Hill. Um, mm. He hasn't quite made the grade yet so far over fences. But the, the, I think the most interesting runner out of this mob is, is Gibraltar, who um, he, he won he won a Ross Common uh, back in July, uh, sorry last year, and he hadn't been he hadn't been out seen since since bumping into Advance Virgo, the uh, um, rejuvenated um, Advance Virgo um, <laughs> back in Cork after a 289 day layoff. But that was an incredibly good effort. I mean, he, he pulled like a Mustang that day. He was just way way too keen. Um, freshness more than anything else but amazingly he found loads of pressure as well at the back of the night. I could not believe this horse didn't drop through the back of the TV and he, he only needed to get beaten the length in a bit so I marked him up seriously as a horse on good ground in, in, the, in the sort of springtime that I think Connections do really well with 
I don't know where he stands on the pecking order. Your your guess is as good as mine with the jockey arrangements. Obviously, Townend's on Galapathy and Danny Mullins on Classic Gataway. Um But uh, yeah, I do think Gibraltar will probably be capable of uh, maybe just bringing a surprise. He's, he's certainly like the dangerous floater in this race for me. Do you reckon he'll be able, I mean, given the jockey bookings, as you say, looking at a double-figure price? Or? I, would, I would have hoped so, yeah. You're looking at probably 8, 10 to 1 or upwards. Okay, yeah, and nine, nine runners as well, so should get the three places if nothing changes. Uh, Johnny, any view here? I don't have a strong view. Gibraltar looked more professional for Scotland, which is a bit odd because you'd have to be seriously concerned about the trip and the way that he ran at Cork. Um, even though he was off a break at the same time, um, he was fine at Roscommon. And I'm just looking at his flat form when he was trained in Britain. I mean, he practically stayed two miles so on the flat. So he, when he was with um, he was with Michael Bell, so he should be fine. I I I'm really really taken by Merlin Joint's um, entry in this race. I'm not saying I'm tipping him, but I mean this horse has, as far as I can tell, he hasn't even won over hurdles yet. Emma Mullins has put him straight into a race like this. Um, he's been a decent horse in the flat. He won his Baden Row bumper last year. And if ever you have a trainer to think outside the box, why are you starting <laughs> him off in, in a race like this over hurdles? Um, it's just fascinating. I'm not really sure what the thought process is. I guess Field of Darius is the you know, we would have known him in Ireland when Joseph. Brian trained him. He's very, very solid. He's two runs coming here for Nicky Henderson, a rock solid. Um, he's probably this probably as quick a ground as he would have encountered. Um, he'd be my selection, but it's it's very tentative. I'm I'm really interested to see what the betting makes of Merlin Giant. Is he is he going for something in this race? Because I'm I'm intrigued as to why he's starting here. What has he got in mind from down the line? He got go away probably, given the connections, mm. I Johnny. Probably, yeah. Like maybe. Maybe the novice heard like Galway. Maybe this is a, a means of getting some experience in a in a hot race. But I, I love trainers that do unorthodox things that have you kind of second guessing. And he's certainly in that boat. I mean, who wins the Grand National like he did this year? It's incredible, really. <laughs> who wins the Grand National with a horse running in a bumper 14 months before Emmett Unbelievable. Munster? Um, you know, that he seems like he's reinventing the wheel in terms of where he's placing his horses at the moment and, and the races that he's winning as well. Uh, so certainly one to keep an eye on here. Uh, Albeit, as uh, as Johnny says, not necessarily a tip. Uh, Andy, any other um, ones to circle horses to flag up on the day? Yeah, I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment with that first race. Um, the other opportunity, um, obviously sponsored by um, JP Manor. So anything that JP's mm-hmm. running in it. You're going to uh, tip up the same as me here, I think. Possibly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should have backed last year's winner, actually. Um, cousin, was it Cousin... Oh, was it Cousin Vinny? Was it something like that? It, it was one of the ones that was top of my figures and I still didn't I, I didn't end up backing it. But anyway, um, the one I quite like here is Henry de Bromet's horse, uh, Life in the Park. I'm pretty sure that Henry had the runner-up in this race last year um, with a similar profile, quite lightly raced. And like I say, only found one too good. But he was really good the other day at Tremor both visually and on the numbers. He absolutely flew around Tremor, never came to the bridle, won by 17 wickets. Uh, and that was off the back of a break. Um, and I just think the better ground suited him. Um, they ran him at Leopardstown. He was he was well fancied in that race that was won by How You Bud. And that race has worked out quite well. It was quite a good time figure, actually, for that um, for that race. But he just didn't handle the ground for me that day. They've obviously missed most of the winter due to the possibly not running, wanting to run him on, on soft ground. But I did notice that he ran really well back in um, in a main hurdle at Punchestown behind free, Freedom to Dream. So they've they've obviously had perhaps a race like this on their mind for a little while now, knowing that he runs well at Punchestown. Um, that 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 run should have put a, just a, a nice little edge on him, as Johnny mentioned early on in the on the previous podcast. Henry's horses have been flying form. 
So yeah, he'd probably do for me if I'm like 119, but it's a it's a viciously competitive race. I could come up with perhaps another two or three. And I know Johnny probably have at least one or two up his sleeve. <laughs> well, that's here with Life in the Park, the one there for Andy. Uh, you thought Andy's going to tip up the same one as you. Indeed. Uh, sometimes I think horses are given handicap marks that is is like a subconscious kind of maybe um, lack of respect for the for the track and that could be the case with that horse at Tremor because he won so well but Tremor is just considered such a kind of a summer track like 119 is definitely interesting I really like uh, Guri here though who was essentially um he won at the festival last year when Simon Torrens rode him but if you watch his run at Nace the last day it was just an absolutely perfect prep for this race he was out the back Mark Walsh rode him squeezed him along every now and then it was his first run since October um, he made nice mid-race ground he wasn't knocked about at all he's six pounds higher than when Bolton up last year over the course and trip um, and Charlie O'Dwyer who was really really struggling on the flat I mean He's, his strike rate on the flat was was bad, and he was, I'm just looking at him here, last five mm. seasons on the flat, three winners from 157, whereas over jumps, he's a big winner at Ferry House at big price. He's already winning seven winners um, from 52 rides, and they would have been reasonable prices, a lot of them, and his, his dad, Connor, was admitting that he just wasn't working out from on the flat. He might have been a bit tall, but he's an interesting book, and I, I'd actually say JP would love for Charlie O'Dwyer to ride a winner in his colours, considering... Um, his relationship with Conor O'Dwyer and Swamp, he seems a perfectly competent jump jockey. This horse will love the ground. And as I say, he was really, really good. I was a bit worried this time last year about him getting the trip. Wasn't an issue at all. And his nice run will set him up perfectly for this. Jessica Harrington, she's had an awful lot of near misses on the flat with her horses, but generally her horses are in good nick. She's been in good form with her jumpers. Everything points to this horse having a great chance, I think. Jessica's horses always, always seem to come alive at this meeting as well. Mm. She's got a fantastic record with a hell of a lot of her horses at have had relatively quiet winters and all of a sudden, uh, you know, she bangs in two or three winners here from nowhere. Mm. Aguri there for Jesse Harrington and JP McManus, who as Andy says, sponsors the opener uh, on Wednesday uh, at Punchestown. So worth, you know, a worthy connection uh, normally, but could be an interesting way to look at, look at that opener there. Uh, anyway, any more for any more on the card guys on Wednesday? I think um, just before Andy comes in, I think Freedom to Dream is definitely interesting in the second race. I was kind of hoping, um, I think there was a, there was a. I actually forget who was in this race in, in terms of antipost. It was a horse I wanted to take on it that looked like it was making the market. Freedom to Dream, he ran in the Martin Pipe. And, you know, people who listen to this show will remember Andy putting up Party Business, who then obviously did the job at Aintree. Well, he was just behind him. He was def- he was unlucky. Freedom to Dream wasn't really unlucky in the race. He got a nice run up the rail, but he travelled well. And he's been a horse that had come off a long layoff. So he's kind of been improving as the season's gone on. Um, and uh, he's also won at Punchestown as well. I think he'll run a very good race. I love the way he stayed on all the way to the line. Kind of came up the inner at Cheltenham. like. But there were a load of horses you think were going to pass him sort of between the last two. Just kept going kept going i think he'll run very well freedom to dream there for peter fahey the one for johnny in the second to punch down uh last call andy anything else no johnny's he's, he's now me with the other one yeah that, that was the other one <laughs> I, was, I was gonna put up uh i mentioned freedom to dream obviously with the uh, the form line with life in the park um earlier on and uh, this fella beat um uh, life in the park uh, at Punchestown early on in the season. Um, but yeah, Johnny's absolutely bang on. You could not win going up the inside. You had no right to to go around the inside at um, Cheltenham. Um, you know, all the winners came wide on, on the last day. Um, Banbridge and I think Cobbler's Dream came wide. Mm. Uh, and he stayed on best of all uh, up the inside. All the others that went around the inside, well, oh, they're still running now. I think if you go and search for them. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and a lot, he was upside to Hollow Games. Mm. You know, who's a who's been running in grey ones. Um, obviously, party business. Um, who was fifth? He, he did the job. Um, in the end, <laughs> I had a bit of a struggle watching him run. Mm. I, I, I sweat about a stone watching that race. Um, <laughs> what race did you get actually? Fourteens. Uh, oh my god! I'd, yeah, because yeah, he went off like eleven to two or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, look, I got I got the fourteens before I did the podcast because um, I think it was during, wasn't it? It, it was quite popular. Yeah. <laughs> it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a note, note to self. Um, if you're going to tip horses, try and try and back them before the podcast goes out. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, he looks he looks tailor made for this race. Um, likes the track as well. Um, he hasn't run for 40 days. Yeah, Pete Fye's horses. I like his horses as well. So, yeah, he's, he'll probably be favourite, though, in all fairness. But um, he, should, he yeah. should go well. I just stuff. see a headline in the Racing Post there. Um, Paul Nichols has become an owner with Hills, um, which I presume uh, is, uh, I presume it's the, the trainer. Let me see. Yeah, Charlie Hills. And he basically has explained why he became an owner with Charlie Hills in the flat. We were on the Raz and I was persuaded. So that could be you, Andy, at Punchestown on Thursday. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got to be professional because I've got to do my column by um, Are we 8.30, be... 8.30 in the morning. So that's going to test me uh, what, what time I call it at night. On the show next week, we'll hear about you two meeting for a pint of Guinness and end up buying a horse together. Um, <laughs> look, at, look forward to hearing about yeah. it. Uh, cracking stuff, guys. Uh, well, fingers crossed, uh, Andy. Uh, after backing that meet and greet, that fifty to one is still about, but plenty of other tips and stuff in there from the guys. Uh, I hope you both have a brilliant time uh, at uh, at Punchstown on on Wednesday and or on Thursday if you join me as well. Uh, we will we will be doing previews for the rest of the week's racing uh, recording on Wednesday, so do keep your eyes out for that. And Andy will be joining me from his hotel room on Friday and we're going to go through just the two of us go through the guineas uh, card as well so plenty more to come on the odds checker YouTube channel so do subscribe there now or to subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform as well please do download the odds checker app for the best prices uh, free bets bookie offers place terms and Andy's tips amongst others uh, straight to the app every morning of racing thank you very much to both of you for, for sharing your insight hopefully be a couple of winners in there as well but as is always the case on busy weeks like this please do ensure you're on top of your gambling and your gambling responsibly <laughs>